everybody. We got a fun show for you tonight. Just three of us on hand tonight. It's been a good run of five guys a few times in a row, but we got Matt Baker and Stu Holden here tonight. Matt, how's it going, man? You've had uh, your three drinks in, bud. What's your night been like? Oh, it's a wild, it's a wild <laughs> week. It's a wild night. Uh, we, I'm supposed to be in Colorado right now. I was supposed to have a nice long vacation that the St. Louis weather decided uh, to cancel on me. So instead of going on vacation, uh, we've decided to potty train our two-year-old this week. Because <laughs> why not? Just right? piling and, on uh, top. Yeah, you might as well uh, make life more difficult for yourself. So kids are in bed, and there's no reason for me not to uh, commiserate about what happened today, which was nothing short of a shit show. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Dad joke. Uh, so what? did you get insurance on the trip? What do you do? I haven't had a trip... Um, canceled i was worried about hawaii because of covid and we it worked out for us just barely our trips tend to be through southwest first of all which kudos to southwest they're amazing about cancellations uh they basically uh bank your points or money for future use so we've already rebooked our colorado trip which i'll probably talk about in a little while um airbnbs we like to stay at so we were able to contact the host and get a deal down the line so we didn't really lose much, uh, if any, money. I think we lost money on parking at the airport. But other than that, um, th- no trip insurance, but everybody's been pretty cool about rescheduling. That's awesome. Glad to hear it. Were you, were you flying to Denver? Or yeah. Yeah. You were flying into Denver and then driving from Denver? Driving from Denver to Golden, yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, I called you Stu, Stu Holden. I'm sorry. Has that? Am I the first to do this? No, I mean, I, I wish I was too holding. Um, <laughs> Me too. I wish I was, I mean. <laughs> Somebody listening to this for the first time is probably like, oh, shit, they got Stu They got Stu Holden. <laughs> Stu Holtgren. Pardon me. No, it, it becomes very obvious as soon as my camera's on that I'm not <laughs> Stu Holden, uh, which, which was weird. Um, he was uh, at the Minnesota game, the Ice Bowl game that I was at, the game versus Honduras, and, man, he looked incredibly uncomfortable when he was walking around and hmm. uh when he was on set because he i think he was supposed to be on set but from what i could tell he he like got up and walked away so i think his knee must have been bothering him because he had a major knee surgery for anyone who doesn't know a few weeks ago only like five weeks ago so this was maybe like three four weeks post post-op um, but yeah, no, he looked like he was in a ton of pain, especially in the cold. I'm sure that was murder. But yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was uh, well, that was miserable. Even American soccer players off the field have knee problems and leg problems yeah. in general. Great. Man, that was uh, gosh, who was it who tackled him and mm. shattered his leg? Um, U.S. Netherlands. I don't he remember. He had just gotten back from his like bad injury with Bolton and he was looking fantastic and then oh gosh he played for LA Galaxy for a little while um oh shoot I I always hated him because he yeah just absolutely wrecked he's not a Van Damme is he no he's not I know who you're talking about maybe 
Anyway, we should move on. I'm sorry. I won't think of a name. I'm the worst at that. Uh, (laughs) But let's move on to some St. Louis things. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is going to be a really fun show, actually. And that's going to be a massive bummer at the end. But we're going to save it for the end. And you you guys can log off after that if you don't want to hear about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But we're going to start with the fun one. MLS Next Pro Schedule was released. And two dates stick out, right? Like, we get the very first ever MLS Pro, uh, MLS Next Pro game here in St. Louis against the only other one that can compete in the Open Cup is the way I'm going to say that. Uh, Rockford, uh, is that right? No. What is their name? Rochester. Rochester not the Rochester, Rhinos. New York FC. Yeah. Great name, guys. Um, let's start with you, Matt. Let's get a little more. Let's get more um, exact details from you, and I'll stop talking now. Well, so we they had the countdown two days ago to the schedule drop. We've all been wondering. We knew that the uh, roster's lock on around the 18th or so. So this morning you saw teams start dropping their individual schedules. Uh, I saw Minnesota. Um, I saw, I think, Miami. Um, and then ours came out. And I, it, to me, the first game is summed up by the MLS Next Pro president, Charles Alchek's comments. And so I always come with quotes now, and his quote is, we are really excited to continue our mission of growing the sport of soccer across the country while also completing our pro player pathway with the launch of MLS Next Pro. And here's where it gets interesting. When we were deciding on where to host the inaugural match, we wanted to pick a location with a strong soccer fan base and a storied soccer history. St. Louis checked all those boxes. So everything that we've always talked about of, of why St. Louis deserves this, that, and the other, um, how we are America's soccer capital, uh, I mean, it's personified in this decision. Um, we get to host the inaugural game of this entire league, so that's historic right there. It is one of only two times this season that we will be playing a team from the Eastern Conference. Um, the whole schedule, if you look through it, is pretty segregated between Western Conference teams, Eastern Conference teams. We get matches against Rochester and against Chicago, so Chicago Fire 2 which makes sense. So we get the historic game where, like you said, Phil, the only two teams in this league who are uh, qualifying for the U.S. Open Cup because we don't have parent teams right now. And Chicago Fire being the natural rival, one of the natural rivals for St. Louis. So those are some amazing things to look forward to. The other really fun thing that we've talked about before is where is St. Louis City 2 going to be playing all these home matches? We know in preseason that we're having um, matches that take place in places like Herman Stadium for SLU because we're playing SLU. Um, we've already played in Creve Core. We're playing in Maryville against Maryville University. But where are we going to have all these home matches? And this schedule uh, lays it out. So at least two of our home stadiums, one of which we're playing that first match against Rochester in Herman Stadium, home of St. Louis Billikens. Kind of adds to the history there. Stuart, any more thoughts on, on that schedule release, that, some details you noticed? Uh, well, one thing that I'm on the website right now, one thing that if anyone out there is with MLS listening to this for whatever reason, <laughs> they need to add a uh, filter option by club on the schedule because it's just kind of – it it's all right, but um, it could be much improved with a filter option because otherwise you have to go through each – each week is how they have it set out, and that's just kind of annoying. But outside of a you know UX thing, um, you know, Stu, if you tell if you tell people that you're knowledgeable about creating filters on websites, you may get a job out of this. <laughs> no, my 
Sarah does all the website design in our family. That's, that's, <laughs> that's her, her specialty. No, um, so Rochester is formerly the uh, Rochester Rhinos, um, Raging Rhinos. Uh, huh. Wasn't that their official name at one point? Uh, that's news to me. Raging, I should uh, know, but I don't. Or is it, <laughs> it was just Rochester Rhinos. Um, I know about Raging Rivers, if you want to talk about Raging Rivers. No, yeah. <laughs> I went eagle watching up at Grafton. There you go. Anyway. Didn't, didn't Rochester win the U.S. Open Cup at one point? I think they're the or something. only they're lower like, league to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. They won so history there. So I was going to say, let's let's remember that as we talk about playing the team who carried on their tradition. We're, we're playing a U.S. Open Cup but winner are, here. Are they the same team? I mean. No. no I'm going to say no. They don't play in the same venue. They don't have the same name. They don't have any of the same players. It's different owners. Mm, the different owners things where it gets me because I was getting ready to say then how are the sporting well, how is sporting the, PC don't the Dworkins so, have part of the uh, the Dworkins were the last minor? owners and the Ryan, Ryan oh were they oh I'm sorry never mind if they were then they're the same owners pardon me um, but the owners that killed the Rhinos mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I don't really them? yeah no. I don't I don't really consider them the same club but don't tell MLS marketing about that <laughs> well, yeah, but there there are some Rochester people who are excited about the club, and that's awesome. Good, um, as, as they should be. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know professional professional soccer coming back. That and uh, Flower City and Nisa, which plays at um, the Rhinos' old stadium. Uh, so no, Rochester is the exciting one for me. That obviously noticed first because it's the first game, but. Uh, I do know that they will have at least a couple traveling fans who are flying in for that, so that'll be fun. Um, I mean, I, I think someone else mentioned that um, Fort Lauderdale changed their name officially to um, Inter-Miami 2, which seemed Huge. kind of pointless. But Huge bummer. Um, they had the name right for what city they played in, actually. Yeah. So that was an improvement <laughs> over you know Inter-Miami, but whatever uh no just so many there's a lot of i mean you could go down you could go down the list here and find some fun things in just about every single one of these besides the fact that it's almost like a preview of what's going to happen in 2023 Mm. um the sporting kansas city games stand out uh, and the thing that's i mean honestly a bummer but also kind of fun about it is sporting kansas city announced that their two team is playing in lawrence kansas at, and I, yes. I hate I hate these words coming out of my mouth, but Rock Chalk Park, which as a Mizzou oh. alum, it kills me to even say those words. Yeah, it's cringe. But it's an extra hour out of our drive. So I was planning on making the trip up there, hoping on an outside hope it'd be at the Children's Mercy, but having that extra hour drive to Lawrence kind of stinks. Um, but I get why I get why they're doing it. You know, it's good for their surrounding community. Mm-hmm. Um, Zion's Bank Stadium is where uh, Salt Lake. Well, they call it opponent Salt Lake City, but I would assume it's still the Real Monarchs, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Portland doesn't give their stadium name, um, so there's still some ambiguity in where some of these teams are going to play at. And the funny thing, so Stu, you mentioned the MLS Next site. I'm looking at the city, the city website. Um, there's even some discrepancies there, and so we could. I mean, the the first one that stood out because I'm planning. I, I rebooked my trip to Colorado, which we rebooked this morning. The schedule was released about two hours later, 
I get to go to that first away match uh, wow. in Colorado. On the city side, it's listed as University of Denver. On the MLS Next Pro side, it was listed as to be TBC. So I guess to be considered or something like that. Um, but there, there's a discrepancy in some of these locations between the teams that release their schedules and the league. Um, I guess that kind of lead, do you want to talk about where that last game might be? Well, yeah. Yeah, let's just jump to it. Because this is the this is the biggest, this is the most fun part of this, in my opinion. Yeah, so um, when they released the schedule this morning, several people noticed right away that five matches were going to be at uh, Herman um, and six at Ralph Court because Portland was listed as an away match incorrectly. Um, uh, but the final match on 918, if you looked at SKC2's schedule, was listed as an away game to St. Louis. But there was no venue listed for that on uh, the St. Louis City 2 release. So my first thought, and uh, Matt's, and uh, a couple other people, Tyler and Steve probably thought the same thing was, well, Stadium Centene Stadium will be finished by then. July 22nd is still the completion date for that. Wow. Yeah. So the, the keys will be turned over, and they'll have plenty of time if they want hmm. to do a soft opening. That kind of makes sense. Now, I heard potential rumors after that, which I think was maybe just redirection, that uh, that game wouldn't be at Centene. But then I guess MLS blew the uh, blew the secret <laughs> off of it by posting the actual venue um, on, on the MLS Next Pro site. On the MLS Next Pro site. So they. Uh, I love I mean, it. The city does a great job with with holding down leaks on their end, but you can't man. trust anybody no. in this business. Listen, yeah, well, again, I mean, for the millionth time in MLS Next Pro and not the final time, yeah. we're dealing with lower league soccer here, folks. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just want a website with statistics, with an accurate up-to-date roster. You're asking way too so much already. Mm-hmm. It's too much? <laughs> for for any professional league, that's, that's the minimum. I, I mean, do hope... If Liga Latina... You know, in, in St. Louis, can have an updated roster <laughs> with updated weekly stats than hey. MLS Next Pro can. I mean, well, I'm sorry. To be, a good point. To be fair, it, it's a. I mean, that's not too much to add. We joke about it, but I mean, that just shows that you care about what you're doing to get the right information out, the complete information out to the people that uh, that want to see it. Show you have a professional product that you that you care about. Yes. Um, so far, this. This is pretty good. Um, one thing I mentioned to you is a little bit of a segue or a sidetrack on this, but uh, do you guys think that uh, City 2 is going to start their socials this year? Or are they going to roll with any news on City 2 on the main first team socials and then open up the socials for City 2 next year? I think I think that's what they're gonna do. I think I think honestly, the people who currently have STL City Two and St. Louis City Two uh, Twitter and Instagram, I think they're squatters. I don't think there's anything necessarily behind those yet. And it could be the team, but it could be they're sitting on it. I think that 
the whole thing goes back to the fact that we don't have a, a actual team yet. It's City Two is the team. They've already tossed the hashtag out as Tail City Two, mm. but I think as far as the accounts go, I think we're going to hear everything from the main account um, because there's it's dedication to that. So as the season progresses, you're not going to have competing matches. You're not going to have competing um, reports coming out of both the main team and two, like, uh, I don't know, FC Cincinnati. They just launched their two account and their two team uh, branding. It's not going to be like that where you have to go back and forth and you need a dedicated um, social media presence for each one. You can easily accommodate the two team this year uh, while you still have that main account. Yeah. Some things came to mind. Another rabbit trail would be that, you know, a little bit cynical in me is, yeah, it is cool to throw the two pro teams in as the first game. And the cynic in me is like, well, it's also probably the only two teams that has a lot of excitement behind it as far as fan excitement. So it makes sense. Like if you want to, these, these games are going to be streamed on ESPN. So talk about, I'm about to say some bad things about it. Oh, go ahead. But it, it, the league website, not oh, ESPN. Shoot, I read yeah. that wrong. I'm sorry. At, at least that's what I heard. It's like they were saying there's going to stream on MLSNextPro.com. I don't think they have a deal with ESPN. Oh my fault. This year. I'm so thank no, you. Thank God you're here. It's going to be. Uh, um, so it's going to be on ESPN Plus, and so we're dependent upon the league's oh. website having. Uh, good enough infrastructure to get us those streams. Okay, now I'm really scared about that, especially. <laughs> Yeah, but at, at Herman, there's good infrastructure there. I, I kind of no, no, no. if we're at Creve Core, it would be one of the, you could at least, the powers. Yeah, you could at least get the same thing we have for the academies. Yeah, but with oh, Herman man. Stadium as the first five, I mean, that we're probably getting Bill McDermott to do the uh, the commentary. So we'll probably have commentary, would be my guess, for, yeah. for these as long as they're allowed to do in-house. Um I assume well, Rochester is going to get one of their own too, and uh, so it, I think there won't maybe be a, a set league standard this first year for. Well, it could be like team. it could be like uh, the stream itself comes from the home team, like what USL does for ESPN Plus, where you or well, I guess MLS does it too, but your stream on ESPN Plus is the home team's broadcast. Yeah. No matter like it's often the local branded stuff, but it's the local commentators. And everyone's different. Every city's different. And USL, I don't think I'm supposed to share this, but I think the USL is going to go to um, forcing everyone to not have a local person. Uh, but um, well, that's good because yeah, I know, I know. And so like a, a lot of the things we just covered is like, oh god, all this lower league soccer shit is going to come back. We're going to get like this retro what 2014 2016 kind of kind of stuff happening like we're gonna see some bad streams it's gonna cut out and we're gonna have really bad announcers in some of these cities and i'm, I'm okay with it i mean we're reliving it i'm, I'm down yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not upset about it but one thing that i really hope they work on and this is what i was kind of i wanted to get all this in this is great but one thing i'd really put on my wish list is like hiring opta uh, to do the stats you know what i mean like and i don't think that'll happen right away i think they have to have certain infrastructure for that even and it took uh, usl several years to get that right too so you know i, I think we're just subtracting about five to seven or eight years um in lower league soccer if you if you're used to usl championship but um hopefully these are things that they'll work toward um 
if we're going to be watching these two teams. Uh, Opta, Opta stats, hopefully decent announcers or decent camera angles, decent streams. We'll just see how this year goes, right? And it's all part of what you need if you want to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. We, we constantly talk about whether this league is going to be like the original MLS Reserve League or whether it's going to be a, a, an actual competitor to USL League One or Championship. And part of that is goes well beyond the on-field product. It goes on to the presentation of the entire product. So if you want to be taken as seriously as a League One or Championship, you need to deliver uh, the type of presentation that you get with those. So there's a certain expectation that if you tune into a league one broadcast you're going to get what you're going to get if you tune into a championship broadcast you're going to get a little bit better you're going to get some better camera angles some some more high quality announcers i would expect something similar from mls next pro we might not get it but as a d3 league if they want to be taken seriously they have to at least put in the effort and and the investment at the very least, they need these videos to be reliably streamed because something that was massive in the USL as of late is there's a lot of guys logging on uh, from the Netherlands and Denmark and Sweden, and they're looking at these kids play. So this is something like it's going to affect people's pocketbooks that we have a decent stream on these two team sides so that we get video in these uh, scouting reports in Europe so we can sell these players at some point. Right. So, um, you know, and yeah. I want Hurd, I want Aaron Hurd to be uh, nice and clear on that broadcast in case we need to sell him at some point. You know, so I'll take a slight devil's advocate approach. And as I'm thinking through this for this year only, um, I think I think the fact that they're streaming on MLS Next Pro for all these games is a, a makeshift thing. I think I and I wouldn't be surprised if streams fail and I wouldn't be surprised if we turn out on Saturday and Sunday for away matches and we're pissed off because our stream isn't there yeah. or what happened to slew against Washington happens again. You mm-hmm. lose the feed for a while. Wouldn't be surprised. And I'll be upset when it happens, but big picture, 2022 is almost like a test run for MLS Next Pro because we know that the Next Pro media is going to be included with MLS in the next media rights deal. And so I'm expecting uh, beyond, so they're gonna announce that here in the next like month or two, Garber said that the the next MLS media deal is gonna be announced and they're gonna award rights and, and all that stuff. MLS Next Pro is a part of that. So 2023 and beyond, we may be looking at Paramount Plus streaming. We may be looking at ESPN Plus streaming, Peacock, something like that, where the Next Pro League is going to be bundled with MLS, regional, local, national, all that. It's all going to be one package. That's So th- while the, the games themselves might not be as um, important, big, big picture, they're still live sporting events that you can package and increase the value of your bundle and that's what they're doing so we're going to get some to your point phil some potentially shitty um website streams this year i don't doubt it but keeping in mind that 2023 and beyond um we're going to get a probably a streaming deal uh alongside everything else that has the, the better infrastructure the capabilities and the the actual, like, you open an app, you don't have to log into a website and figure out how to get, how to watch that. Yep. And I will, uh, if, if I may, angels advocate your devil's advocacy uh, and say that um, test run is 
a very nice way to say that. But you did just say shit show, you know, so to be fair, you covered it. <laughs> and, and I fully anticipate to be one of those people who, if I don't get my stream, Same. I'm going to be pissed. Same. I'm going to tag MLS Next Pro. Yeah. I'm going to tag Garber. I'm going to tag all these people who are responsible for the fact that I can't watch my team play this year. That's right. That's right. Well, and we're going to care more worse than, than my, my Kuju. That's true. That's true. That's a I mean, it, it can but. shot across the bow at Nisa there. There you go. Um, <laughs> and Conkey well, Cat. Yeah, I've seen Cincy too. Yeah. Had him for a year. Oh, God, I forgot Didn't about Duke that. Didn't United have him also? A few um, people did. Yes. Well, my Kuju was the, uh, so the Fire and Ice had those for a while. That's, wasn't there wasn't there another stream that uh, FC Cincinnati had that first year? Yeah, it was Mike Gucci. Yeah. Um, oh my god, that's yeah, that was a disaster. He, and, but uh, DC United also had. I mean, for Fire and Ice, I mean it's kind of they're not breaking the bank for what kind of streaming they're going to get. So yeah, um, I appreciate that Lindsay's just getting any stream out there absolutely um, that we can enjoy Fire and Ice with, but. Yeah, it, it might be rough, but it kind of sucks because this is going to be the year that at least most St. Louis fans are going to care the most about this team. So Yes. Um, that's exactly that's what I was saying. That's why we're going to be the ones who are vocalizing this. You're not, we're probably not going to see a whole lot of pushback if no. streams fail by these other teams because they have their first team to watch and they are barely caring about their two teams as it is. It's going to be us. It's going to be Rochester that really carries the – the banner on this one yeah and, yeah oh go ahead Stuart. well it's going to be really really interesting how rochester responds there is a chance that the home opener against rochester is the highest attended mls next pro match of the season for real um though i expect there's probably going to be some um interesting marketing uh attempts to get butts and seats like uh maybe a bunch of school kids get busted or uh, so, free free tickets prize yeah. night for tacoma defiance or saunders season ticket holders or something i don't know but here's a question for you guys though and i'm i was super interested when this came to mind this morning um do you think that first city two match at herman is going to break the record for number of attendees that was at St. Louis FC? No, not even close. No. I will say that I was surprised. I should have saved this as a segue. I was surprised at how many people were there last Saturday. I really was. But still, it's not enough for that kind of a number, in my opinion. We'll see. I mean, that number would be... Is it like 6,000, 6,500 maybe? Over seven, yeah. right? 65, 66. Are we counting Open I... Cup? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I thought we got over against, seven. I I think the estimates were low on that one, but mm. um, I remember that I Chicago Fire game, sixty six hundred something like that. Okay, Fire game I think was sixty one hundred. Oh, okay. Um, or maybe that was the Riverhounds game the first season. Had well, they had the highest. So the this past this past season, the new attendance record at Herman was six thousand eight hundred fifteen. And that was for the the NCAA match. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that was low. I was there. There was definitely more than that. Many. Right, right, and that's what we were talking about at the time. But so I'm thinking, I'm thinking if they sell out and they would have to push it beyond, I, I, I mean, 
I, I always, I always go back to the fact that there's the long-standing conversation of, and I don't really want to get into this, but there's a long-standing conversation of St. Louis FC could have built up the fan base to get to MLS and all the things that have happened since then. And so knowing that we have city two this year, knowing that we had the Academy this past fall and knowing that we're getting the D three league this year, um, it, it, it came across my mind could we have more attendance at this first game than we did at, at average or the most sales FC? I'm just going to say no, only because <clears throat> it's clear that this league's not going to be very professional. And I really think that USL Championship, by the end of it, had a good product. And, and, I, and I feel like the roster that we had – yeah, they're second division players, but we had some of a few of the best second division players in the league. There are a lot of guys getting a lot of accolades now in USL Championship um, after St. Louis FC died. So, and and we're, I just don't like. I feel like we're St. Louis Scott Gallagher plus right now with this kind of roster that we have, and we and we have some lottery tickets, and we have Yarrow, you know, who's really class. But you know, like I. I don't think it's the same. I don't think it's something that people are going to come out for. It's, I think it's still like I look at this podcast and I think, boy, this is like a bunch of nerdy people probably listen to this podcast. That's how I feel about, about the crowd that's going to show up um, at that first game. See, I think the opposite. I, I really think, and this could be the marketer in me, but I really think branding matters. And I really think that the fact that it's – it could go back to the social media thing, Stu, you are talking about the fact that it's St. Louis City – Everybody knows now in St. Louis that this is the MLS side. Like, the branding has hit home. It's St. Louis City SC. And now you're talking about you have this firm 100% path to what's going to happen next year. Come get in on the ground level of, of what the, the, the professional league that's leading into MLS. Come get in on the few players that may play, one for sure, and a few most likely that will play next year. But it's all about St. Louis City SC being this driver. You had articles in the Post-Dispatch about the, the schedule announcement, about uh, that first match being the historic type match that it was. So I'm not thinking about necessarily the quality of players. I'm thinking just the perception yeah. that is being sold to people in the area. The $10 tickets really helps to me. I would have liked if there would have been some kind of deal of season ticket holders in the supporter section because that's what's on sale. Uh, could go to that match and that's part of their package but I think $10 tickets in general to everybody to see St. Louis City a year before they take the field if you read that post-dispatch article by Timberman it kind of sells this as if not the the prelude to but the you know the, that kind of precursor so I, I think that, that and this is day one I think over the next month we're going to see a continued upselling and we already saw the queuing of tickets today. We talked about that earlier on the like before the recording about how there was a queue of tickets uh, when you're on the website this morning. And Seaback, Matt Seaback, the chief chief experience officer, posted a like a list of the most popular uh, St. Louis events on SeatGeek or whatever it was, and it was St. Louis City. That Rochester match was number one. I mean, the the anticipation, the buzz is there regardless of the talent on the field. Because I know there was a few hundred at last week's match that, that we were at, but we're talking easily a sellout, in my opinion. And I, I think that the fact that it's it's City, 
they've hammered home, this is MLS, this is the next step. I think there's an aura to that, as opposed to necessarily the talent on the field. Uh, I, I want to say that, I, I, first of all, St. Louis can pull through on this, Matt. So, like, I'm not going to, like, totally throw water on this completely, but I will also say that I have felt that way about St. Louis FC for every year of its existence where I think every year I go to the games I love it so much and I'm like people are going to figure this out and we get the Timmerman articles and I just every year I think it's going to happen to be fair the open cup games are lit right so maybe you're right you know but um, I will throw water on it in that I always feel like it's so special everything we have in these lower league games and just St. Louis doesn't come out for it but they supported SLU last year it's possible I cut you off though Stuart what were you going to say uh, I was just going to say I I do think there will be a really good crowd so I'm with Matt on that but I don't know if they hit 6600 I mean that's 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 a big number um, it's a Friday also um, which I think Saturday evening is going to be a better draw for for days mm-hmm. um, than Friday at 6 p.m. Um, but that's not the worst time. The location's better than Soccer Park, if we're honest. Absolutely. Uh, but they could take a, a cue from uh, Cincy when they were in USL and just give every college kid a ticket for three dollars no. or five dollars. I mean, it worked it. like a charm. I think that's that's a great way to to I mean people always trash Cincy and I have to for giving out cheap tickets but it's a great way to hey, build brand yeah as, we, awesome. as we should trash them they, because their they, attendance <laughs> their attendance uh, shilling was based on that. I just yeah. want to I want to make sure I get this in here. Um, it's a little bit late, but STL City Fan Van, we all know that account, um, says I don't think so, but anything twenty five hundred plus is a huge accomplishment. I do agree with that. Yeah, but you never know in this city, you know. You never know. Yeah, I mean, I I have a few friends who went to, and most of them are going to get tickets for um, for City uh, senior team, some season ticket holders for next year. But there's, I think there's a group of eight or so of them that are going to be going to this first game. So, and I think they went to two or three St. Louis FC games over six years. So they're excited. They're gonna go so if i don't know if that's a good indicator of the fan base as a whole or not i don't know i could see but i'm expecting yeah at least at least a couple thousand well when you when you talk about the the overall attendance throughout the year i think there's the first game and there's the last game and there's everything in between yeah and because we've seen so herman stadium being the the five game most of the first five games there's that one from ralph corte that's thrown in on uh may 22nd or or there's may one of those may dates and i think once we shift over to siue i I don't know what that's going to look like i i would think that outside of the city limits there's a little different i i I don't know how to put it but i just think i don't think we're going to draw as well over there um, I, I would love to be proven wrong, and I don't mean to bash the East Side at all. That's not the intent. But I think there's this the city um, attendance, and then there's people in Missouri don't like to drive into Illinois. To be blunt about it, um, it's there's coming. a lot of great things about Illinois. I'm not saying anything bad about it. It's just that yeah. there's a 
a mental blockade. That's yeah. the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know, people make people in the city like myself make fun of people in St. Charles for yeah. not wanting to cross over the river coming to St. Charles or something. But it's, a it, thing. it's the same. It's the same thing for you know, especially people in the city driving into Illinois. And it's like I, I live less than ten minutes to you know Malcolm Park on the um, shore of Illinois, and I don't go there often enough. It's beautiful, but. Yeah. I, I do think that Herman will draw better, and yeah, it's a good place for the first game, and obviously the last game at Centene is going to be a big draw, but yeah, I, I mean, if they're getting a thousand a game in the middle of the season, I think that's a lot of interest, to be honest. It is. Completely agree. And, and I like... You know, the, the baseball season's completely locked out, and then... <laughs> people are going to be really wanting to watch live sports um, <laughs> we'll see um, but I, I do also like the gesture of throwing it into Illinois you know that was a big deal with St. Louis FC is paying attention to the Illinois side and um, you know it's 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 important it's important to acknowledge those folks and, and welcome them so um, yeah I like it for that reason um, guys it's flyover footy and only flyover footy can spend 35 minutes on one topic like the preseason schedule Schedule. Um, schedule. So zero, zero actual on the field. <laughs> I know. So we are gonna have to rush on this the field one. Doesn't matter. What's on the schedule? That's <laughs> really important. You even watch the games, bro. Um, let's. We're gonna go through the game day roster for last for this last Saturday's. It's the first preseason game in St. Louis that we were all able to watch all of, and we got to see a lot of players that day. And we're gonna go through the game day roster as best we can right we're missing some names but i think we got almost all of them and um i think uh, my idea was to kind of start from the back and work our way forward and we'll just kind of talk about each line and what we thought about all the players that played on that line so we're going to start with michael creek who came on in the 60th minute or was it the the second half I think he came in in the second half as the goalkeeper. Um, I couldn't figure out who the goalkeeper was for the first half. Hold on if you know it, and you can name it right after I say this. In the first half, we saw Akil Watts playing left back, Kyle Hebert playing left center back, Josh Yarrow playing right center back, and the captain up until the 60th minute. Uh, question mark at right back. In the second half, at the 60th minute, Ezra Armstrong came on, Josh Mayer came on, um, Fritz Volmar came on at left center back, um, and then again, another mystery right back. So, what do you guys think? That's that's what we saw throughout the whole game. That's all the defenders and goalkeepers that we saw that we know of. Um, what do you guys think of the back line and the goalkeeper? So, Josh Yarrow is the first one that stood out to me in the first half. Um, Gotta start with Josh, right? You you have to. Not just the captain, but the way he commanded the field. Uh, I I felt he was the field general on that that half. I felt that the the play ran through him. You know, we played it out of the back a whole lot. He found himself with the ball an awful lot. And I felt that it was his dictation as far as how how our offense went. Um, He played a strong defensive game as well. I think he was very physical which I expected. I, of all the players we have on our roster, I think he was the one that I expected to be the biggest, the, the most physical on that defensive side. And everything that he did, um, it just reinforced the fact that he was the leader of the team. Um, 
the the only other big notable thing to me on the back line that first half was Akil Watts, and I felt that so it took it took a little while. So they didn't put out that roster. They didn't put out the the numbers. We put you put all this together um, as far as who was out doing what and. Akil just struck me as as fast, as intelligent. I didn't watch him at Lou City, um, but I know that he has a really good reputation from that squad. And I, there was one play in particular that stood, stood out to me where he kind of, on a, on a counterattack um, from Memphis, he found himself near the middle of the field, uh, near a box, almost in a central defender position. But it was such a smooth... Um, takeaway, and he prevented an easy uh, an easy shot. He he took the ball and he just kind of owned that part of the field. And so it was that that awareness and just the way that he was able to read what the the offense was going to do with the ball. Um, it it I, I kept thinking about how our defensive strategy when we lose the ball is to counter press, and that to me was they were they had they had pushed the ball so far up the field towards us that it, it, he, he basically made himself that line of defense where he was going to make a play or we were going to get scored on, and he made a play. So Akil Watts was one of my players of that half. Um, I, I really feel like we could have been down uh, by more than one if it wasn't for him on that play. What do you think, Stu? Anyone stand out for you? Uh, in the first half, well, I actually really liked seeing uh, Max Scheider and uh, I, well, I guess we'll get to that on the back line. Um, no, we, can, I mean, we can change the the parameters here. Let me actually let me just say something about the uh, the back line, and then I'm going to name the midfield, and then I'm going to go straight to you, Stuart. I have a fault, guys. I'm just going to say this now. Sometimes I want too much structure in these in these in these podcasts, so I apologize if it's too structured. But here we are. I'm going to talk about just one little, um, a couple little things. Um, double what you said about Akil Watts. Ezra Armstrong, who came in in the 60th minute, took the armband from Josh Yarrow. And that dude, in a similar way that Akil Watts was very responsible in the back while still getting forward, Ezra Armstrong was the same thing. Um, but he's left footed, he's a natural left back. Akil Watts is a natural right back who I watched at Loose City fill in as a center mid. So it was like spatial awareness um, out the wazoo. But Ezra Armstrong is like meant to be on the flank. He combined well with the with the left winger, which is uh, Celio Pompeu Martins, who we will talk about in a minute. Um, had some sauce going forward. Was very just like dependable. If there was something scary that was happening, he seemed to be around it to put it out. And if there was some kind of uh, sauce happening on the left wing, he tended to be a part of it favorite player in the in the last few bits there um and that's saying a lot because i really liked what happened in the last 30 minutes but i want to say that no defender looked bad and i want to say that i think michael creek did a great job in goalkeeper but i thought in the first half that goalkeeper sincerely apologize that i don't know who it was uh but to be fair a roster wasn't released but uh first half goalkeeper had a lot more to do um and he made some really like he was really exposed sometimes and he made some really crazy saves really well done there um but no defender looked bad um young kids um hebert volmar mayor yarrow all of them did a good job and i get the feeling about the back line especially that hackworth 
we didn't see the swarm in the first half like we were accustomed to with the academy. I get the vibe that Hackworth is setting up this four-two-three-one that he liked to run with Louisville, and he's just solidifying solidifying the defense because they had they haven't had a lot of time together yet. So that's my vibe so far. Uh, let's go to the midfield though. Um, let's just go with the holding midfielders actually. Um, Palazzolo and Schneider were the, in my opinion, the double pivots in um, defensive midfielders uh, for the first 60 minutes. And then Jack Wagner and Lucinen were the double pivot for the second or the 60 minute and on. Uh, Stuart, what were you going to say about Schneider and Palazzolo? It was fun to watch, right? Yeah, I like I like seeing those guys out there. Um, Schneider, of course, is the product of uh, Bayer Leverkusen academy who who most recently played for marshall university and um he was bigger than i expected yeah um i don't i don't know exactly why but uh, <laughs> no it was just seeing how him he lifts weights yeah <laughs> i i guess it's just i've gotten used to watching all the academy games with um someone with like yeah, his fair. hairstyle is typically a little leaner, um, slighter build, uh, but no, good hair, good player. <laughs> uh, I like the way he, he, he connected and worked with AJ. Um, I mean, a, a lot of my thoughts about the play filter through my expectations are this is preseason and even for most of the season, it's, it's not going to be a finished product. It's going to be pretty rough around the edges. And yeah. I think, there was a fair amount of that, but um, uh, I really liked the way on right wing in the first half how uh, Juan Cousin looked, and Juan's put on a little bit more muscle than last time I saw him, um, so it was good to see him back in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, Wagner looked good. Lucian looked really good, and I'm glad he's he's going to be part of this club too. Even though he's you know not officially on the roster as as uh, we figured that out. Um, but Phil, I think you were the one who talked to his his parents, right? Yeah. 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 So um, there's I'm actually just saw a tweet that came up from Jeremiah Oshan um, from Seattle. He's at the CCL match. But he got his hand hands on a competition handbook for MLS Next Pro. Mm. So there were a couple interesting things. He had four bullet points, so I'll just go through them real quick if if I can Please. break the structure. This is good stuff. Um, first of all, there's no ties in MLS Next Pro. If the score is tied after regulation, they'll settle it from a spot. What? With the winner getting an extra point. Yes. What? Two, I two love it. Total. Let's go. <laughs> Um, I don't know if they're testing this out for MLS or. That's gotta be what it is. They're they're all about this testing. Oh my gosh! Oh, let's go. Uh, so, so there's a winner's point, and I guess there's gonna be a lose, maybe a loser's point. It's like a, it's like hockey, hockey OT. You get two yeah. or something maybe. I don't know. I can't wait for the three three versus three. Um, not, no, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, they do it under. U5 style and they're going to field into like 20 feet across with 3v3 yeah. um, third point was uh, or second point was 
tucking in shirt is mandatory, which... Oh my gosh. Weird, whatever. Um, what? <laughs> Wait, a bunch of Kieran Tierney's running around here. Yeah, we, uh, we got 55-year-old dads telling everyone to tuck their shirts in. I love it. <laughs> well, someone responded that that might be an MLS rule to begin with. So maybe they're just applying it to MLS next year. I I don't know. If um, it is, someone didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third third handbook rule is unlike in MLS, first tiebreakers head to head, wins goal differential goals for goals scored for, and disciplinary points are the next three. Mm. Wait, say those again. Say those three. So so if you're if you're tied with another team in the standings, then you're head to head. It determines who's on top, but what's next? Uh, wins, goal differential, goals scored, oh. and disciplinary points. Wins over goal differential. Okay, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that, that plays into the first thing you said, because there's going to be that different way to determine an actual winner if it's tied at the end of the game. Yeah. Huh. Um. And the fourth point is the league reserves the right to implement a MLS Next Pro anthem that may be required to be played at any and all league matches, which oh is dorky my shit. Gosh. <laughs> what? We, we all do love the Champions League. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, anthem. on CONCACAF Champions League, I'm watching the Sounders game on this. Thing. I mean, they've, they've got the same thing where you have to go to the midfield and you have to wait for the anthem to play. So by the time we get to midseason or something, we could have a what a Hans Zimmer type oh anthem gosh. played for this league. I'm here for it. Let's go. That sounds awesome. Doesn't it? It feels like there's not a committee for this. It feels like one man is making these rules. It feels like one guy has these pet things that he really cares about. He's like, wait, we're gonna do an anthem like the Champions League. That's what you that's what your shirt in. You will all tuck your shirts in and you will stand in midfield during my anthem, and then we can play the game, and there will be no ties. No ties, sir. You had me with, like, the first and the third one where it was, like, actual competition-type things. Like, you have to get a winner, and it's going to be this cool way. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Let's, let's figure out that out. And it's going to be the tiebreaker. All right, let's, that's, seems like it might be okay. And then oh you got that gosh. second and third, like, tucking in and the anthem. I feel like there's two separate people, and they have very two separate agendas <laughs> when they came with those. Stuart, I appreciate you making uh, interrupting our roster review with the best part of the show. This is good stuff here. <laughs> Anything else? No, it was only those four, so okay. I don't know if there's anything further that's in that handbook. And I, I hope he's not pulling my leg here, but uh, <laughs> Jeremiah is usually pretty pretty good on that. So, uh, yeah. This we have gotten, fun. To be fair, we have gotten a few bits of info on the league and MLS from him. Jeremiah from the Sounders at Heart, right? The, yeah. On SB Nation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's good people. Absolutely. Um, did did you guys ever figure out who was on the left wing in the first half? Yes. That was a kill. Uh, that was a kill. Watts, right? No. Well, left so back. Left back. Oh, left, left wing. wing. Uh, left yeah. wing was Carson Gibbs, if I'm not mistaken, okay. or one of the Gibbs brothers, but I think it was Carson. Which that would make sense because I, I was wondering. Riley Gibbs is the other one on the roster, and I was wondering. Jack, we saw in the first, in the second half. Uh, Carson, if you remember, they announced Carson Gibbs and Jack Wagner at the same time mm-hmm. um, as training with the academy. 
before MLSX Pro. And so I, I honestly had no idea how either of them were able to be on this roster uh, coming from Gallagher uh, and Fort Zumwalt. But I was Carson Gibbs makes sense to see. There was a handful of folks that we didn't see at all. Uh, mostly, mostly yeah. amateurs, mostly amateurs. But I found it interesting that we didn't see, at least to my knowledge, we didn't see Aaron Hurd. We didn't see Anthony Falpel. Um, those are the two that stood out to me. Fr- uh, Same. We did see Fritz Vollmer, right in the second half. Yeah. It was he was one of the center back subs. Yeah. Um, those are the two that stood out, uh, Aaron Hurd and Anthony Falpel, because Nathan Ferguson was the sub in the second half up front yep. uh, for Josh Dolan. Um, but I, I don't know it, that that this that game to me kind of was there was a very intentional in the first half we're giving more or less our our pros an opportunity we're gonna put our, our I don't want to say number ones out there but that's that's kind of what it seemed like it was and then the second half. You had mostly the academy subs with a couple of players that I fully feel will slide into quote unquote first team city two players. Ezra Armstrong was uh, very front and center in that conversation. Where I, when I was looking at a, a, a full season roster and starting 11, I fully had Ezra Armstrong slotted in at that left back position and Akil Watts at right back which I still think is very, like what you were oh, saying, Phil, earlier, yeah. is where his position is. I still think... I can't wait to see at, that. I still think you're looking at an Ezra Armstrong, Josh Yarrow, Kyle Heber, and Akil Watts back line. Um, unless you're going to unless you're going to have one of the amateurs slot, slot in uh, and kind of take that position. But it, it reinforced to me a lot that the pros, the professional contracted players, are really going to take front and center stage in this league. And I think that there's going yeah. to be, continue to be more opportunity. And this, we're all basing this off of the first preseason match, so fully aware of that. But as these next few preseason matches develop, I'm going to be looking forward to who gets playing time, especially in the first half, because that seems to be in the preseason where we're going to see our our top line players. Um, Celio Pompu Martin is another guy who really drew our attention, not just for the the drawing the penalty and the goal not to get ahead of ourselves here in the conversation, but how him and Ezra Armstrong really connected in that second half. That, to me, was almost the highlight of the game. Yeah. Not just the, the first half of how and just how we looked, but once you got into like the whole flow of the game, my big takeaway was, were those two players and what their um, overlapping runs really looked like on that left side because it looked good. Yeah, Pompeo was happy to dribble at people, and, and he got himself into dangerous positions. And, um, you know, I don't think it hurt him that Nathan Ferguson was a little bit um, – he wasn't great on the ball in the game, but he does create pressure. I mean, I would say both of our forwards were very Josh Sargent-y, right? Both of our center forwards in that they pressed really well. They created trouble for the defense, and they drew defenders on top of that. So the I think our wing players really benefited from the work uh, rate of our of our center forwards, and uh, those are um, Kuzan played on the right wing in the first half, and then Dita Armstrong came in. Um, and the other thing I want to say, oh, two things. First of all, Sergio Rivas was the only person that played 90 minutes, and he kind of played as a 10 or a second striker. Um, I found that interesting, and I think 
he got better. I think he and the forwards got better throughout the game, but you can tell that they need to work together more, but that there's also talent there. Josh Doling, one of my favorite players in the first half. Um, the guy looks to get on the ball. He looks to touch the ball or pressure anyone with the ball if it's not him, and he looks to lay it off for someone else. So it looks like our wingers are going to be very productive when they're playing with a guy like Josh Doling. Josh is going to play a lot of minutes for us, and he looks very, very good. And I think, yeah, like I said, he's going to help our wingers score. Doling's a very physical, big uh, forward to have. But your comment about Sergio Rivas was really interesting because Sergio Rivas is a WashU grad, and there's there's articles and information and videos about him. And there's one uh, one quote that he had that kind of I, I I found interesting, and it was right it was this past fall, so pretty recently. Uh, he says his first coach, uh, yeah, at WashU put him in a new position this past year. Um, his freshman year at WashU, he played mostly a defender as a right back. Uh, now he's been playing more as an attacking Weird. winger. Yeah. So now uh, this past year has been playing more as an attacking winger, transitioning to more of that attacking role, being able to take more shots over this past summer being 2021. He's been practicing a lot, especially on the attacking side. So he's, he's excited to see how that uh, component of his game comes to play. So I found it interesting that he started out at that right back and he's kind of trans transitioned himself more. And that's at the point where I feel city scouted him was in that, that attacking transition to, uh, more of a forward role. That's interesting. That's a good one, Matt. Thank you. I'm surprised he's playing as a 10 or a second striker. Um, but, again, I mean, we'll see how the season plays out. That's fine. You know, I thought Kuzain looked good. Um, he created trouble, and if he wasn't able to create trouble, he was often fouled. And he was he knows how to get fouled. You know what I mean? And he's a, he's a very veteran player on the field. Right when he's never really played like a right-sided attacker in the USL, at least. Um, so that's interesting. But like he does it well. I feel like he and Aaron Hurd can provide similar traits. And so again, like and Sergio Rivas, like I'm interested to see if Aaron Hurd can work his ass off if he can work up to Sergio's level or better already. And so I'm excited to see what Aaron Hurd looks like with this team at some point. Um, I'm sure we'll see it. Um, but he's been a weird player all season, all last Academy season, and he didn't play that friendly. I don't know. I, I, I keep thinking he's going to get a lot of minutes so that they can kind of give him experience and get him sold to Europe um, and ready for MLS proper and so like i find it strange that he's not playing a ton every time i go to a game and maybe that's coincidental i don't know matt looks like you have some thoughts i don't know so it's it's odd to have a player in st louis to me that comes with these expectations uh where you've heard that you've heard what his plan of action is and so but honestly if you had you're seeing what he's doing on the field for the academy and for us um, you know, he had the youth national team call up uh, yeah. a few months ago. But if you're just seeing what he's doing for us and you have no idea what these expectations are of him or, or what lists he's on, would he really stand out that much? Yeah. I don't, mean any, I don't mean anything negative by that. It's just, I don't know. I have, I have trouble reconciling in some ways what we're seeing of him in the academy 
um, performance-wise to City 2 uh, so early in preseason, and I can't stress that enough. It's super early, so these are probably way too early uh, predictions or conversations, but I'm looking for him to more or less um, be that City signing Leverkusen transfer that we've heard of. And, and that's not from us. That's national writers who are saying that's what the plan is. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Goff, who has, was the first person who mentioned that. So I'm, I'm coming into reviewing him and watching him and seeing what he does with those expectations. Um, I think that he... And, and this juxtaposed against the things that we know he's done, like Bermuda in a, a youth comp clearly has the talent. I'm just, I'm waiting to be able to be excited to see him in a city jersey do these things. That, that's all that I'm really coming at this from, is that he can do whatever he is going to do for the youth national team. He can do whatever he's going to do for Leverkusen down the line. But I'm super excited as a city fan to see what he's going to do for us in that jersey. And he... I don't feel I don't know that he's gotten the full opportunity to really shine in the position that he feels comfortable in. And so I'm excited to see where he slots into City Two and not just him, but also others who I want to see this spring. If they're on the City Two amateur roster, does that mean they're not going to play for our U seventeens at all? Because I, I feel no. like if Right, because I feel like if they're going to be um more or less subs for City 2, they should be getting playing time for the academy. And that's an opportunity for them, for us to see uh, an Aaron Hurd or Josh Mayer or the Anthony Falpel on where they're going to be um, and and what they're, like, making sure they get minutes and opportunities to play uh, competitive matchups against their peers. So that that could be an opportunity for us to see them if Hurd or Falpel or Mayer or anyone else doesn't slot in regularly for City 2. Yeah, and let me give you some, like, I'm overthinking it ideas. So, like, the reason I'm, like, kind of, like, confused about the Aaron Hurd situation is because we do have all these expectations and all these hopes and dreams for him. And so we expect him to kind of get some minutes for for this team. And, like, the fact that he's not getting them automatically, right, and that's, that's what my point is. Like, I'm overlooking into it. But – the fact that he's not getting him automatically makes me ask a few questions. Like, is he just not following the system perfectly? And is he not defending right? Or um, is he clearly, he's showing flashes of amazing passes and amazing shots, but is he just not doing it consistently enough? You know, and all those things are fine. Like, it's not even like the end of the world if all of those things end up being true or if one or two of them end up being true because, He's young, right? No big deal. That stuff will come if he is the talent level that we think he might be. Um, so those are just questions going through my head, and I just thought I'd vocalize those. This is a podcast where we can have this, like, stream of conversation. Uh, but I think the similar things about, like, Ferguson versus Fapel, to be honest. So I'm, like, thinking, like, Ferguson, who doesn't – he didn't really look like he was, da- like, score goal dangerous in that game. And I wondered if Fapella might have been goal dangerous. But what is Ferguson doing that um, the coaches like? You know what I mean? Like, what am I not seeing that the coaches see? Uh, see? And so, like, that's happening all over the field. And, and these are the questions that I hope 
to continue to ask and continue to watch the team and, and have fun, you know, debating in my own mind and with you guys on the podcast. And so those are all just the things that have been going through my head. The last thing I want to say, and I'll be done, give you guys a chance to talk about the roster before we move on. Um, but when the kids came on in the 60th minute, there was like a snap. Like, there was like, okay, we're going to press the hell out of you now. And we've got young legs, and that works. That works in every country in the world, right? Bringing on a bunch of young kids that are going to run their asses off against you when you're already getting tired in preseason especially. So I loved watching that. I loved, like, the swarm was fun to watch in the academy, and once all the, like, even, like, you know, three to six young kids came on, the swarm started happening more naturally and these guys know where to go. So I'm I'm interested to see how that develops. Like, are the pros going to start developing that too to where that becomes normal? Is it mostly going to be an academy thing? Like, that's another thing I'm going to be watching for because, yeah, again, I really enjoyed watching the kids come on and, and the press really really shining at that point. Any other thoughts about the roster before we have our final little conversation here? I think uh, the, the center forward, um, number nine, or however it, it lines up in their, their formation, was interesting that you had two big players in both halves. So Doling is a big presence. Ferguson is is big as well. And yeah. that's, what, that's what they seem like their role was. It wasn't necessarily to... Um, make runs or to really uh, do a whole lot of uh, uh, playmaking. It, it was really to just be that presence in the box. And I, there was one instance in the second half where Ferguson had the ball in the box and he he was one-on-one against a defender and he didn't make a move. He passed it off where he, I felt he could have made a move to at least get a good shot attempt. And it, it, the, it gut instinct reaction at the time, I remember feeling, oh, it didn't seem like he was too comfortable making that press to goal. You know, he, he, it was almost like, you know, he needed, uh, he needed a good cross or he needed to be set up for a goal. It wasn't like he was going to make something happen for himself. And it's probably a way too early comment on that. And in some ways, I'm still, like, not super comfortable being critical of you know, academy guys or academy grads, so I'm going to have to get used to that. But it, I, I want to see how Doling or Ferguson or whoever has that position, I want to see how that uh, position develops for our team. Whereas in uh, in juxtaposition, you had Celio Pompeo make a lot of different runs attacking inside the box. You had him really going for a goal on that left-hand side in the second half where he just felt like he was going to take on the world. And that was one of the most exciting things that I felt about him in particular, where he, yes, he drew the, the PK, and that was probably the linchpin of where I, I felt like he was my player of the game. But whether it was a an overlapping run on the left side from uh, Ezra, Ezra Armstrong and him, or whether it was just him taking it and working his way inside, to me, it felt like when we were in the attacking ends, it was more our wingers or our midfielders trying to make plays as opposed to really playing it up to our center forward. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know. I, I just that's something I'm looking to as the preseason progresses and into the the regular season of is that really how our offense is going to work? Um, because I don't I don't know if it's sustainable. I just don't. I don't know. It, it, it took me by surprise a little bit that that's the way that we were we were attacking the ball. 
So interesting to see what what develops from that. Start. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to add at this point. I mean, it was just it was good to see live professional soccer out there again, uh, especially in the state of Missouri, which uh, we haven't seen since uh, St. Louis FC unfortunately went away. No, I'm I'm just ready. I'll be there on uh, March first. So. Yeah, excited to see this all the all the preseason games, and then we have you know games that matter after that. So, though, Blue City probably matters more to me than uh, most of the regular season games, even though it's preseason. So, uh, with you there, with you with there. that one, yeah. I love it. Um, Matt, if I, you know, this is a pro team slash semi pro team, and so I'm going to add on to a little bit of like pressure and weight in that, you know, what you were just talking about. I'm going to take it a little further in that um, I liked that Doling had some turnovers and he really forced some trouble for the defenses, but we weren't able to capitalize on that. And then outside of a few of Doling's presses, which I'm sure was assisted by the rest of the players, the rest of the forwards and the midfielders, um, so I'm not negating that. But outside of that, it was a lot of direct play, which was really not exciting, right? And, and, and I'm sorry, but Lutz is promising us exciting soccer. So if we get to the end of the season, this is like too early to say this, but let's say we get to the end of the season and we're still launching long balls from Yarrow to Doling and that's our main tactic like I'm going to be disappointed alright I'm sorry but I'd rather see Academy Kids lose 4-0 to zero, pressing the hell out of a bunch of pros than watch uh, Yarrow to Doling you know 10 times a game okay so um, just a little too early pressure you know for these pros and semi pros that I hope that's something that we can work up that we can work up the swarm a little better or maybe we can work on some possession soccer um, that's just my, on my wish list right um, and I won't I won't hit that too hard it's way too early to put too much pressure on right now um, but I'm excited to see that develop because I do have faith that that is something that's going to develop. All right, let's 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 get this over with. We don't have much time, all right? So we're not going to do long on this. Ten minutes at most, maybe five. Um, and I'm sorry, but this is a very important thing. This is something that just happened that um, this is part of the PR world that we're in, right? We have a soccer team, and in MLS especially, um, in certain cities especially, uh, soccer is expected to do certain things and, and be careful about a certain things. And um, I'm going to get the, uh, the the thing wrong, but LGBTQT, there's another letter that I'm missing. we got to be more careful about that, and I'm failing at it right here. So I guess that's a, a good example of um, how I need to be humbled in this way as well. But... Um, you know, we just got Centene Stadium and um, looks like some St. Louis fans, soccer fans, started digging into what Centene does. And one of the things they do is to support a uh, Florida representative that is big on Florida's Chris Sproles is his name and is big on the new bill that just passed in Florida, the Don't Say Gay Bill. And it just made big news in Texas under Abbott's watch. Um, a lot of weird stuff's happening with trans children and DFPS and, and child abuse being able to be called just for the fact that a child feels trans or identifies as trans. A lot of ugly stuff, and Centene's money is gone 
to someone that has pushed this effort. Um, so these aren't perfect facts that I've just laid out for you guys, but this is something that has been brought to everyone in St. Louis's attention. And um, I guess before I say anything, let's let's just see what you guys think about all of those things that are being talked about right now with between St. Louis City SC and the sponsorship of our stadium, the naming rights coming from Centene, who has funded these people. So I'll go with kind of the try to try to do a play by play or blow by blow of what happened this past week. And so it's been a, a week and a few days since the Centene Stadium announcement. So we've known uh, for a little over a week that our home is going to be Centene Stadium. Um, on February 21st, a tweet was put out by Judd Lagoon, who writes for Popular Information, which kind of is one of those like information um, investigative journalist type things where they look into uh, political machinations, basically. Um, and he targeted specifically the bill in Florida, which is colloquially called Don't Say Gay. Basically, it is a bill that is designed to to prevent discussion around a child or an adolescent's um, sexuality or gender identity, and it, it, it basically is uh, centered around straight is the norm, and anything else should not be discussed. And if it is discussed, then we have a problem, and they're going to. Uh, take measures against those things. So in the course of his, uh, again, Judd Legum on Twitter, uh, in the course of his um, uh, outing of anybody who has anything to do with this bill or backing people, uh, representatives in Florida who who are uh, sponsoring or pushing this bill, Centene was called out specifically uh, in a tweet from him on February 21st saying, Centene has donated $100,000 to Chris Sproles since March 2021. Huh. Chris Sproles is, um, I believe, the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Florida, yeah. Yeah, their state rep state legislature. And so he's one of the people pushing this forward, who is basically allowing everything to, to pass and get it, get it moved forward. And so looking into this, I, I at first, obviously, you're horrified to see that because... You don't want you don't want anything that you support to be associated to um, inequality to any of these these, these ideas to that, that kids aren't allowed to express themselves how they feel. It's almost this fundamental, um, and I and I just I I see red when I think of this, but it's almost this fundamental concept that straight is right, and any other way of thinking about it is wrong. And that's the, the underlying way that these are being uh, pushed forward. And so, so Centene um, donating $100,000. So looking into, is this, first of all, is this true? Because I don't take, I don't take tweets as, huh. as gospel. So is this true? That's a good I was, I was never able to find the $100,000 number. But I was able to find that Centene Management Company or Corporation did donate $50,000 to the Political Action Committee uh, where this Chris Sproles is chairman. 
So basically his political action committee. So they donated money to his cause. And so that's where you get money being donated to the people backing this bill. And I have no doubt that Centene is donating this money, or at least I would like to have no doubt that <laughs> yeah. Centene is, I would like to have no doubt that Centene is donating this money to further their uh, Medicaid management systems in Florida. Because I know they have a big presence. I would like to feel that they're donating money for their business purposes and not for this. But the fact that they're donating money to a politician who is pushing these anti-LGBTQIA plus uh, uh, bills and, and processes is devastating to a supporter of the team that just signed them to a 15-year stadium deal. So I have friends who work for Centene, and I know that I know that they're good people. I know that they don't support what Centene is donating money to support. But at the end of the day, St. Louis City has partnered with a company that has been outed to to fund bills backing anti-LGBTQIA plus initiatives. And there's there's no way around that. That's, that's just the fact of the matter. And that bill passed today, 224. That, that bill did pass the House of Representatives. And, and there's just, there's not an easy way to reconcile um, that fact. Now, there's kind of a few schools of thought of people who don't understand why supporters of city are making a big deal about this. Um, first and foremost being that it's not city who's making this donation or this contribution. It's, it's a uh, somebody else. So city can continue to say that they're, uh, they support equality across the board. They are LGBTQIA plus friendly. They, uh -huh. they, they can continue to espouse all that, but, and they didn't donate any money directly to it. So there's nothing wrong with this. Like it's not, it's not the, the club. So why are we making a big deal about this? And, and the other, the other fact is that it, it happened before city inked a deal with Centene. And so city inked a deal and they did this before. So it doesn't matter. First of all, on that, that sense, I have a big problem with that because if you did not do your due diligence in your corporate partnership review of what your your prospective partner is getting into, then you're negligent as far as the corporate partnership goes. Um, not saying City did that because they very well could have seen this and didn't think it was a huge deal or any number of reasons. Um, but the other one is a little more tricky to me because the idea that it wasn't City themselves that donated to this cause, it was uh, somebody that they signed a deal with, I've got a big problem with that because in, in and of itself, anybody that you're doing business with as an entity, person, corporation, whatever, it reflects back on you. The easiest analogy I have with that is if you're an advertiser, so like Tide or... Um, Charter, AT&T, Centene, whatever it is, and you're advertising on a TV show, let's say, I think we can all remember specific uh, media and channel and, and channels and, and political conversations where people have said things and people have gone after their advertisers because they disagree with it. 
That's exactly what this is. That's that's a somebody doing something that is abhorrent to all of us, and us holding their partners accountable for it because it reflects on everyone who does business with the person or entity that gave money or is supporting somebody that backs uh, an abhorrent cause. So that's why that's why City is holding the bill. San Luis City SC is holding the bill yeah. for actions that Centene did in 2021 because they they got in bed with this company and regardless of all the other good things the health and wellness and the other aspects that they're they're good for the local st louis the things that i touted as a good thing uh for this deal last week week before the fact that that centene gave money to an anti-lgbtqia plus backing politician and city is inked to deal with centene the lines cross over and yes this reflects bad on city for inking a deal with with this company and so that's why the whole conversation of we want city to make a statement we want centene to make a statement and we're hopeful that city will say something that 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 differentiates themselves or pulls themselves away from this or bashes this cause and says that you know this is a terrible bill or something like that anything really because when you draw a line from anti-lgbtqia plus uh legislation like what's going on in florida that don't say gay bill when you can draw that line very linearly to city there's a big problem yeah and it's it's really upsetting it's really upsetting the things that are happening in florida and texas and it's really emotional um it's something that really really bothers me personally um but i think Let's just talk about this in business terms. And Matt, you're kind of doing this too, but let me like break it all the way down that let's say all you've done is partnered with someone for a stadium naming rights so that you can have money to sign players. That's all your brain is in. In today's world, people are automatically going to start looking at what that company is putting their money into. And it doesn't matter what reason. It doesn't matter. Like, unfortunately for you, Enterprise and Centene, we're going to look at where you send your money. And in this world, we're able to figure out what it is. And from a a non-emotional PR world, you got to figure that out, right? Whether that means you ignore it and you allow us all to make our own opinions and develop our own end game for that money or you address it right and that's just like a non-emotional this is pr in 2022 right now and so that's what we're dealing with right Uh, again i said how i personally feel and now i'm looking at the business side of it is ideally city would have already known this was going to come up you know what i mean like I'm sorry, but if you did your job really, 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 really well, and I know it's hard, not belittling anyone, I'm not saying that you didn't do your job very well, but in this world, if you want to be really on top of things, you knew this was coming and you had a plan already, and hopefully you have a message to address it. And I hope they have some kind of message to address it, is what I'm getting at. I'm mixing the emotional with with the uh, non-emotional there, is that I think there's an answer to this. I think in my opinion, it would be 
we see your problem and we're not sending money to this man ever again. And to me, that would be addressing the problem and fixing it best you can based on what's already happened. And so um, that's just me saying that at the very least, I think we can all acknowledge that we're all going to draw our own. <laughs> we're all going to draw our own um, opinions until somebody says something. Right. And I don't think we should be nice and let it not be talked about because it's our favorite club. Unfortunately, we love you guys and we're going to support you in the future. But I hope this is addressed. Sorry, I had a lot to say there, Stuart. So I, I kind of cut in there. Is there anything you would like to say about this? No, I think you guys really, really covered it. When you when you care about a club a lot, um, and this is our club now, you you criticize them when they do things that um, go against your your feelings and your your morals and your ethical stance. And uh, I I can't agree with what is being done in Florida and what's being done in Texas. And um, there's a through line, like Matt said. I, I believe the best of the front office and the ownership. Um, and I know you look at any Fortune 500 company, or a lot of Fortune 500 companies, and you're going to see ugly money at, at some point, yeah, fortunately. It's inevitable. Um, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Um, and I'm wearing the badge too. So the fact that Centene is associated with the club means I'm associated with Centene. And I'm associated with Chris Sproul, and um, I don't like that. I mean. And that was kind of the other thing that I've heard is that, well, at what point are you going to stop looking at partners or fans or like everybody supports their own thing? You know, if, I, if somebody gave money to Alex Jones, are you really going to like be pissed off that somebody gave money to a conspiracy theorist? And my whole thing on that is that the, this, this is the one of the two sponsors for San Luis City right now. And, you know, Centina Purina, those are, those are the two. Like, yes, Together Community is a sponsor. They're a sponsor of a club level and they're official banking. But this is, this is the stadium. Like, I've, I can't tell you the number of times this week that I've talked about, and even today, about the final game of MLS Next Pro about it's Centene Stadium. Like, it's going to be the thing you, you talk about. And, and they, and they might have given money to a whole bunch of great causes that I perceive to be great, but the fact that there's one tie to this type of um, egregious bill and this devastating bill to equality and basic human rights, in my opinion, is is pretty devastating. And I, I, I feel so awkward and a little uncomfortable even just having this conversation because I don't know how to not support City almost implicitly. And that's the weird thing to me. Like, you guys know, I'm a homer. Like, I, I will look for every good reason to support what they're doing. And I'll spin certain things to, to just say, like, this is, this is why they're doing certain things. Like, you could go back to all kinds of things where somebody's, like, brought up a question. I'll, I'll try to respond almost in defense of the team because I want to support this team implicitly and believe that there's zero negative vibes or energy going on about any deals or any actions that they take but this line drawn from city to Santine to this uh, this contribution is it's disgusting it is and um, we're going to stop it there as far as that 
conversation is concerned, um, for my education and in case anyone else was like me, LGBTQIA, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual. Do you guys know what plus is for? This is... It's for anything else. Anything like, else. Just covering yeah. anyone that feels it, left out. Correct. Good to know. My point here being, um, obviously, um, I'm not up to date on things. I'm getting to be 38, 39 years old. Um, first of all, I'd love to talk to anyone who recognizes me and wants to talk about anything. But um, this is something I'm a little blindsided on, to be honest. Um, I don't know enough about it. I care about it, but um, the fact that I didn't even know that stuff means that I'm a little bit behind, um, and I didn't realize it till tonight. So, um, if anyone wants to talk about this kind of thing, wants to educate us, if we are blindsided, if we miss something tonight, um, even if you just want to say we're blindsided about the striker situation, like everything, um, please talk to us at games. Please walk up to us, introduce yourself. We'd love to talk to you. It's been so much fun, and and, and to kind of. And on a, on a good note, Saturday was incredible. We had all five flyover footy guys. We got an, like an amazing, accidentally amazing picture. It's the best picture I've taken of myself in a while. Um, and it was just so nice to talk to everyone and to be around everyone. And I think to me, that's what matters. Like, this is what we're in it for. Stuart, I know you said that, like, you're going through withdrawal, not having a game till the first. And I feel you, man. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready to, like, hang with everybody, have some drinks talk soccer and enjoy our games so um let's try this is to have what fun. I want the summer to be this is what i want yeah. this entire year to be is just new friendships old friends being able to come back together and support the team that we all love in all ways any last thoughts Stuart? before we go yeah i think it's all been covered for me at least <laughs> thanks everyone for listening uh we're here to have a good time and, and to talk everything through so again like please come up and, and talk to us introduce yourself and uh, we can uh, further this game in all ways. Uh, again, thanks for listening, and, and we'll be talking to you in a week or two at worst. Bye, everybody.